You're listening to a sermon originally recorded by Schweitzer United Methodist Church in Springfield, Missouri. Check us out online at sumc.co. And if this sermon blessed you, be sure to share it with someone else. Thank you so much for listening. Now, on to the message. Good morning. My name is Jake. I'm an associate pastor here at Schweitzer, and every time that I get the opportunity to preach here at the 11 traditional service, I'm reminded of uh, how when I first started coming here, I was hung over every Sunday morning, and, um, and I'm not hung over anymore when I come to this service, but uh, <laughs> praise God. No, that's my point, right? That's my point. Um, that's my point is that every time I get a chance to preach here in this service, I'm reminded of God's ability to heal and redeem and transform and uplift. And this morning as we get ready to uh, talk about a topic that's going to be painful for many, um, a topic that I admittedly approach with uh, fear. Um, I've had anxiety all week about it. Um, it's It's not a fun topic. We need to keep that in mind. That as we bring this before God, we do so... Um, not to be culturally relevant, but because there is no area in life that should be untouched by God. We bring all things to Him, good and bad, no matter how unpleasant. So as we speak today about secrets, there's one kind of secret that stands out above the rest. Not only because of uh, the ability it has to to damage, the power that it has to, to hurt, but also because of how prevalent it is. And we're talking this morning about sexual assault, and that's a, that's a general term uh, used to describe sexual harassment, unwanted sexual contact, child sexual abuse, incest, and rape. In order to help us see the, revel- the relevance of this matter, I'd like to briefly share with you some statistics. One in four women will be sexually assaulted in their lifetimes, as well as one in six men. of sexual assaults are not reported to the police, and 88% of child sexual abuse is never reported to the authorities. And uh, religious people, religious folk, are not exempt from this. In fact, there was a a landmark research thing that was done uh, a little while back. Diana Russell was the lady's name and a researcher, and she found that among those seated with us here on Sunday mornings in church, 10% of the homes have experienced incest in one form or another, and 30% or more of women have been sexually abused. So the inspiration for this message is both scripture and culture. Uh, I want you to know, I want to make this very clear, this is not a statement for or against um, things that are going on in in Hollywood, um, things that are going on in Congress, in in the world of sports or whatever, Um, but it's timely and those things are going on and uh, we join those who desire justice, right? We do. We also desire justice. And, and we recognize that many of those places recently, it's happening and we're taking steps forward. And that's something uh, certainly to be celebrated. But we also sense that God desires something much deeper. God desires something even beyond justice. God desires healing, Right? Healing for all parties involved, both the victims and the perpetrators. In just a minute, we're going to read a story from the Old Testament um, that depicts uh, how 
Violent sexual acts, um, even within families, can be so destructive. And as we read that story, uh, I want you to know I understand that, that some painful experiences will be coming to the forefront of, of some of our minds here. Um, and that if we can all just be here for one another, some of us are going to feel that this is um, highly relevant, and some of us are going to feel that this doesn't apply to me at all. But for the well-being of the person we're sitting next to, we're in this together, and we're seeking healing. As we read this, I want us to keep in mind uh, the biblical mandate that's found in Ephesians 5.11, where Paul writes, to take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead to expose them. Bring them to light. That command is going to um, kind of overshadow everything that we say this morning, or undergird everything we're going to say this morning. Take no part in the unfruitful works of, dark, of darkness, but instead expose them. So we're in 2 Samuel chapter 13, verses 1 through 22. I timed this, and it's going to take about four minutes to read, all right? And so you can just sit back, but I want you to, I want you to pay attention. I want you to follow along closely with this story. Now David's son, we're talking about King David, the royal family, the man after God's own heart, one of the five or six most important people in all of the Bible. Now David's son, Absalom, had a beautiful sister named Tamar. And Amnon, her half-brother, fell desperately in love with her. Amnon became so obsessed with Tamar that he became ill. She was a virgin, and Amnon thought he could never have her. But Amnon had a very crafty friend, his cousin Jonadab. He was the son of David's brother, Shimea. One day, Jonadab said to Amnon, what's the trouble? Why should the, should the son of a king look so dejected morning after morning? So Amnon told him, I am in love with Tamar, my brother Absalom's sister. Well, Jonadab said, I'll tell you what to do. Go back to bed and pretend you are ill. When your father comes to see you, ask him to let Tamar come and prepare some food for you. Tell him you'll feel better if she prepares it as you watch and feeds you with her own hands. So Amnon lay down and pretended to be sick, and when the king came to see him, Amnon asked him, Please let my sister Tamar come and cook my favorite dish as I watch. Then I can eat it from her own hands. So David agreed and sent Tamar to Amnon's house to prepare some food for him. When Tamar arrived at Amnon's house... She went to the place where he was lying down so she could watch so he could watch her mix some dough. Then she baked his favorite dish for him. But when she set the serving tray before him, he refused to eat. Everyone get out of here, Amnon told his servants, so they all left. Then he said to Tamar, "Now bring the food into my bedroom and feed it to me here." So Tamar took his favorite dish to him. But as she was feeding him, he grabbed her and demanded, "Come to bed with me, my darling sister." No, my brother, she cried, don't be foolish. Don't do this to me. Such wicked things are not done in Israel. Where could I go in my shame? And you would be called one of the greatest fools in Israel. Please, just speak to the king about it, and he will let you marry me. But Amnon wouldn't listen to her, and since he was stronger than she was, he raped her. Then suddenly Amnon's love turned to hate, and he hated her even more than he had loved her. Get out of here, he snarled at her. No, no, Tamar cried. Sending me away now is worse than what you've already done. 
I'll pause there for a moment. Um, what's important to understand contextually is in that culture, the only possible way to, to kind of salvage this situation would have been for Amnon uh, to marry Tamar, even though they were half-siblings, okay? Um, by, by raping her, he was more or less taking her life away from her, any chance at a life. No, no, Tamar cried. Sending me away now is worse than what you've already done to me. But Amnon wouldn't listen to her. He shouted for his servant and demanded, throw this woman out and lock the door behind her. So the servant put her out and locked the door behind her. She was wearing a long, beautiful robe, as was the custom in those days for king's virgin daughters. But now Tamar tore her robe and put ashes on her head. And then, with her face in her hands, she went away crying. Her brother Absalom saw her and asked, Is it true that Amnon has, has been with you? Well, my sister, keep quiet for now, since he's your brother. Don't you worry about it. So Tamar lived as a desolate woman in her brother Absalom's house. When King David heard what had happened, he was very angry. And though Absalom never spoke to Amnon about this, he hated Amnon deeply because of what he had done to his sister. So we're going to summarize briefly what happened in the scripture. And we're going to put uh, uh, something up on the screen to kind of help you follow the five characters. David has three children in this story. He's got multiple children, but three who show up in this story, two of whom um, are, are sons, one is a daughter. Um, Tamar and Absalom are brother and sister, and Amnon is their half-brother, David's son of another mother. Okay. Now, Amnon falls in love with his half-sister, Tamar, um, and his cousin, Jonadab, can tell. He's, he's, he's sick. He's become ill because he's so obsessed with Tamar. And so, uh, Jonadab says, let me help you figure out a way to fulfill these desires of yours. And so Jonadab, this crafty cousin and friend, to everyone's surprise, actually aids his cousin in committing this awful act. He does so. He, does, he, he rapes his sister. Um, after the fact, it says that he hated her more than he originally had loved her. He throws her out, as we talked about, giving her no chance at any real life. And as she's can, uh, confronted by her brother Absalom, he tells her, be quiet. Don't tell anyone. Don't take this to heart. But he does take her into his own home and watch out for her. When their father learns of the situation, says he was very angry, but David does nothing. That becomes very clear in this story. What's crazy about this story? I mean, it's like, why, why is this in Scripture? That's what I kept asking myself when I read it. Why is this story in Scripture, God? What am I supposed to do with this? You probably realize that there doesn't seem, at least from what we read, to be any type of resolution in this story whatsoever, or even any type of, of clear lesson. In fact, what, if you keep reading, what happens is that Absalom uh, plots Amnon's murder. He held this hatred in his heart for so long. He tells his sister to be quiet, takes her in his own, ho own home, but a couple years later, he murders Amnon. And a greater wedge is driven between him and his father, and their relationship goes haywire as he tries to steal the throne, and it just it gets out of hand. And Tamar ends up living the rest of her life a desolate woman. 
I mean, there is no happy ending to this story. What are we to do with this? What we're to do with it is ask, what does this story tell us about ourselves? Who am I in this story? In your own personal history and experience, who do you identify with the most in terms of taking part directly or indirectly with secrets? How is it that God wants to speak to us through Tamar, through Amnon, Absalom, David, Jonadab? It's certainly not to imitate them. Rather, it's a call from darkness into light. Remember what I said. God is calling us from darkness into light. A few short verses after Paul writes, to take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, he writes this, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Because in light there is Christ, because Christ is light. That's the hope this morning, right? That the healing light of Christ might shine on us, not just you, not just me, but us, as we step into the light, as we make known what has been hidden in our lives. So what I'm going to do here is I'm going to speak to the Tamars in the congregation. I'm going to speak to the Amnons and the Absaloms and the Davids and the Jonadabs. We prayed all week about what does God want to say to each of these people, and we believe that everyone can relate to one of these people in some way or another. And after I speak to each person, we've got a little liturgy that I'd like you to um, partake in with me, and we're going to recite together, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, after each person, as we call each other to arise and to walk into the light of Christ. So to the Tamars here with us today, it's quite possible that people in your family or in your workplace, or maybe in the church, chose not to believe you. Or they counseled you not to tell anyone. Or they asked you, what's your role in this? What did you do to bring this on yourself? Or maybe they reminded you of all the damage this would do to the family, or to him, or to the company, or to the church, if all of this came to light. And so you've stayed quiet. But hear me say this, that no greater damage is done to you or to future victims or to society as a whole than by hiding the truth. You need to be heard. You need to be validated. You deserve justice. Even more, you deserve healing. This last week, uh, one of the, it's like every day, every week, something new comes out, and this last week was Larry Nasser, right? If you've not heard that name, he was a highly renowned Olympic Um, gymnast physician, right? Um, And he got sentenced to 170 years in prison as uh, as more than 150 women came and testified against him that he had sexually abused them over the course of the last couple decades. And as I listened to just four or five of those testimonies, every one of them, I started to get uh, the picture here, is that we're glad that there's justice, but there's still healing to be done. I mean, that was the story for the victims, He said, even with justice, the victims had not yet fully healed. Justice is needed, don't get me wrong, but by itself, it does not have the power to heal your wounds. 
Christ does. And often, He does His healing through people. So what I want you to know is that what's available to you here at the church um, is a team that you can come to. There's four pastors, Bob, Jim, Jason, Jason, Jim, and, and myself, um, who listen to confessions. We keep things confidential. We um, are more than open for you to come talk to at any time. We have a list um, of, of counselors that we know and that we trust, we have confidence in, that we can send you to when it's, it's beyond our capabilities. And then Susan Cassidy is, is Pastor Bob's wife, um, and she's got a whole team of people who are, are trusted prayer warriors, who are trained to listen and to pray for the healing of God's Spirit in your life. Use us. All right, and you can get in contact with any of us by, by just calling the church office, and they'll send you the right direction. So to all the Tamars among us, let's say together as a congregation, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. To the Amnons, we recognize there are Amnons in here um, who have not yet committed the act who are maybe just obsessed, who are maybe just addicted. I've been there. Please know that you and others are at great risk. Your desires are beyond your control. You need to have a healthy fear of how easily this obsession can lead you down a slippery slope. Maybe it's one person that you can't stop thinking about. Maybe it's pornography. Either way, you must know how destructive this is. It's, it's time to come clean. Confess your sin. You need someone who you can trust, who you can confide in to confess your sin. Someone who knows the healing power of Christ and who can pray over you that you might be healed. Come to the light. Seek help before you do any more damage to yourself and others. If you've already committed the act, Amnon, hear this. The mistakes that you've made, the sins that you've committed, the emotional, physical, and spiritual harm that you've inflicted on others needs to be made right. It needs to be. The sexual sin is awful, but possibly the worst sin is remaining in the dark about it. After you used her like an object, you disposed of her like, like an object. And you stole something from her that's very sacred and very precious. Don't you see that you were deceived, Amnon? You've been deceived this whole time. What you thought was love was actually hate. And after your desires were satisfied, there was that moment of clarity where you finally realize how you, you've always felt about her. She's an object to you. She's a means to an end. And that's not love. It never was love. That's hate. Got to come to terms with that. And I really hope that you hear in my voice, uh, a voice not of con condemnation or judgment, uh, but just the voice of, of Jesus inviting you to come forward into his light. Come clean. The same team of people that I talked about earlier is available to you. So to all the Amnons among us, let us say together, Awake, O sleeper, 
and arise from the dead. To Absalom, at one level it's clear that you care about justice. And you're merciful towards Tamar and take into your own into your own home. But you're counseling her to remain silent. And you're avenging Amnon's wrong, can never make right what was done to her. When you choose to bring down the perpetrator purely out of vengeance, you only reinforce the hold that hatred has in your heart. And what you fail to realize, Absalom, is that many who sexually abuse others were themselves sexually abused. There's a study that reveals that 81% of sexual abusers were also sexually abused. Everyone's a victim of some type. So Absalom, don't bottle up your hatred. And don't act in hatred. Maybe you're not a murderer like the Absalom in the story. But it's likely that you're a murderer of the heart. Don't fall for the lie that says vengeance is the same as justice. Report matters to those who are in authority. And seek due process. That's, that's so important. Because when you skirt the system, there's no opportunity for the system to improve. To all the Absaloms among us, let us say together, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. To David, maybe you fear the consequences of doing what is right. Maybe you're ashamed that this happened in your family. Maybe you're torn because you care deeply about the perpetrator, right? Maybe you feel like a hypocrite for holding people responsible for actions that you yourself have committed. David was sexually immoral. He, he was a murderer. But none of these reasons justify your silence. None of these reasons justify your inaction. David, you're in a position of leadership. Maybe you're a parent. Maybe you're a coach. Maybe you're the leader of a church. Maybe you're a, a, a manager, business owner, the point is, you are the one with the most power to ensure safety and to administer justice. We can all point to the perpetrators as the problem, but we actually all know that the deeper problem is the system. And in your sphere of leadership, David, you are the system. You design the system. Others rely on you to keep them safe. protect the vulnerable, to stand up for the victims, and to hold people accountable. And so systems are important. And there's hardly any duty you've been given which is more important than your, your duty to uphold, establish, and improve the system. At Schweitzer, we've worked hard to make this a safe place for vulnerable people because we recognize that without these precautions, we are responsible when something goes wrong. To all the Davids among us, Let's say together, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Lastly, the Jonadabs. The two biggest mistakes that I personally have ever made are when I failed to confront uh, a friend, two separate friends who were going off the deep end. I have no greater regret, this is not an overstatement, I have no greater regret in life in these two instances, 
where I failed to confront a friend. When I failed to expose the works of darkness, the evil acts that they were committing. While neither of these involve sexual violence, they both involve sexual immorality and more. Not only did I fail to confront each of these persons, but I began to judge them, I began to hate them, I began to push them out of my life. I I could have been light to them. There were those moments where I saw the opportunity to be light to them, to be the light of Christ, and instead I became darkness out of fear. And you, tell, you might tell me that it wasn't my fault, right? You might tell me that I'm not responsible for what they did, and it's not like I helped them devise the plan like Jonadab, but since when am I any less responsible for my inaction than my action? It's an important point that I want all of us to hear. I knew the desires that were in their hearts. I knew the darkness that they were living in. And my choice to remain silent was no more justifiable than had I conspired with them. You, Jonadab, I, Jonadab, we are guilty. And as friends of people who are living in darkness and committing evil acts, it's our responsibility to be the light of Christ and expose these evil deeds before they get out of hand. To all the Jonadabs among us, let us say together, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Ephesians 5, verse 11 through 14 says, Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it's shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. There's nothing more redemptive, there's nothing more healing than the light of Christ. But the only way to step into the light of Christ is to step out of hiding, is to step out of the darkness. And the only way to be the light of Christ, as we are called to be, is to be in his light and to expose that which is not. That's what light does. It exposes the darkness. Because Christ does not shine in secret. Would you pray with me? Lord, sometimes the sickness and evil we encounter... There's more than our humanity can bear. And so we all stand before you in need of your cleansing and healing. Fill us anew with your power and your life. Strengthen us where we feel weak. May our church create safe places for deeply broken people to find healing. For people with sexual addiction and sexual aversion to find grace and transformation. We hunger, God, to see you more at work in our lives and in our world. In these moments of silence, help us to open our hearts to the sunshine of your grace out of any darkness that engulfs us. Help us, Lord, to rise up and move in step.
with your spirit and love. We're now going to have a moment of silence. And in this silence, uh, I hope this is an opportunity just to be in the light of Christ. It's an opportunity just to present yourself to God completely as you are. Um, Offer up prayers to Him as you need. Receive from Him whatever it is that you need.